0: Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and you're listening to the Lakeside Church Weekly Message Podcast. This is where we broadcast our Sunday morning teaching, so if you missed it or want to hear it again, you're in the right place. Every week, we try to teach God's Word in a way that is real so that it becomes alive to you as you hear it. If this message speaks to you in any way, let us know by clicking on our website's contact page at lakesidelife.org, where you can find out more about the church, watch some videos, and even give online. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. So kind of a common thing with me on any time I talk, uh, you should look for, I'm either going to talk about uh, NFL or World War II. (laughs) So I'm always going to include that in there, so I'll I'll try to sneak that in. Uh, It's easy to talk about NFL, right, because we're in in the playoffs. And uh, I just have to make a confession. You know, at the start of the playoffs or the start of the NFL season... Uh, Seriously, I was so angry at the NFL players for the uh, kneeling during the national anthem that I vowed I would never watch a single game. I was very upset at the whole thing. But uh, I'm convicted that uh, I should have been a little more open-minded because two very powerful evangelical Christians are, are, are playing today. And one of them, I'll get the name right, Carson Wentz, he's hurt now, so I don't think he'll play for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he is a very, very uh, outspoken evangelical Christian, and then of course if you saw the game last week, uh, which I'll have to look his name, Case Keenum, I'm sorry, I'm an old school NFL guy, so I don't, I don't know these names. but if you saw that game, uh, of course he made a spectacular play, but after the game he said just the most wonderful thing that I've ever heard from any uh, sports celebrity when asked if this was his favorite day, and he said, no, this is my third favorite day. And they said, what was your first two? And he said, the first one is when I accepted Lord Jesus into my life, and the second one is when I got married. And so that is really cool. And it's kind of in theme with what we're talking about, because if I were to summarize acts, I would say it's action. Maybe that's why I liked... uh, NFL and, and 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 the military. It's about action, doing something. And so we're we're in uh, chapter 18 of Acts, and it's uh, all about God moving the gospel forward, taking action in all those people's lives. And if you want to see that play out, you, you might want to go back to the very first part of Acts where, you know, the 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 disciples, you know, they, they've they've lost Judas Iscariot. And was a traitor. And that's a blow. He was a strong member of their 12. He, was, he had the purse strings. He was, he was a leader. That he, that he denied Christ is, is a big blow. So they're, they're just huddled, uh, persecuted. They're in Jerusalem. And to see where they are now in Acts 18 is just amazing. And this 12, they don't know anything about this guy that's going to show up on a scene named Paul and how much he's going to move the gospel forward for Jesus Christ. So we'll be talking about Paul today, but it's not just Paul. And, you know, you guys, I I love World War II. And uh, uh, Dale, I, I know the Army was a big part of that, but I'm an Air Force guy. So, you know, the Air Force people, Brent, we say we won the war. It was strategic allied bombing. That's what did it all. But, you know, there was some Navy involved there too. There were some Marines. There was Army... There were players. There were people at home on the home front. Everybody's at play making us march to victory. Everybody was involved. And it's the same way um, in Acts 18 where we are because there's all these players. And there's a new player that's going to come on here named Apollo. And it's really neat to see how everybody's just working. And I would say for me when um, I was seeking Christ... Or even when I was a new believer, it was a great testimony to see completely different personalities in sync with the gospel. Somebody that's coming from a completely different culture, but the, the gospel message was, was the same and matched. And so that's another thing that's really interesting, is you're going to see people from different backgrounds working. So let's, uh, let's just jump into it, and we'll start in uh, Acts 18 If I can, I hope to get to a little part of 19. We'll see how it goes with time. So starting out in act. Remember, if you were here last week, uh, Matt talked about um, uh, Paul being in Athens. And and here he leaves. He says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, Emperor Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome Paul went to see them and because he was a tent maker as they were he stayed and worked with them every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now this was pretty profound to me as I read that because I always envisioned Paul as the street minister in the middle of the Gentile area and I saw him when I visualize Paul I see him um, being able to talk to the greatest intellectuals from Greece and Rome and all these Gentile areas but Matt mentioned last week he said it is his custom to go as was his custom was to go to the Sabbath and as we read through all of 18 um, the main the, the, the main work that Paul does is actually in the synagogue it's actually talking to Jews and Greeks so there's two things that, that, that I learned from this this week that's kind of eye-opening for me because I've been in a contemporary Christian environment for a long time. I've been encouraged to be flexible, to kind of step outside my comfort zone, to kind of go into areas that, um, um, you know, are, are, are new to me. And obviously the gospel was moved forward as people got out of Jerusalem and they went into these new areas. But I think where I quite didn't see this is that just like I w- when I was in the military, Dale's in the military, Brent, and we were overseas, you know, in Japan or Korea or wherever, we were at a military base. And we had a base to work with, something that I could be confident in and something that I knew. And so I realized this week as I was reading that, well, so did Paul. Because the synagogue was the base from what he worked in. Now, he's in a Gentile area, and he's working. And, and of course, Paul seizes every opportunity to preach about Jesus Christ, whether he's with a Gentile or a Jew. But, you know, the base is is kind of in the synagogue area, um, you know, with the Jews. The other thing, he has something in common with Achilles. If you say that if that's how you say that and Priscilla they're in the same trade they're tent makers and when I first became a believer my mentor said you should probably try to stay in a ministry area that follows your profession and your field and it's not that you're being prejudiced or judgmental it's just you're going to have the, the most impact in your area of expertise so Paul's expertise was tent making He's, he's, he's not restricted to only witnessing to tent makers, but his sort of his base that he's working with are people in the same profession. That's really applicable to us right here and right today. So if you're a computer programmer, if you're in the military, if you're a, uh, if, if, if you're a mechanic, you're an engineer, whatever your trade is, teacher, then you have a lot of impact in that field because that's the most... You're going to spend the most time with those people. And they can recognize that. Um, our guys... i got to go back to the names again. Case Keenum and Carson Wentz. The most fun... The most amazing thing about them, of course, is that they're believers in Jesus Christ. But they got that stage time based on uh, doing well in, in, in their profession. And so we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that. Uh, that kind of comes into play with Paul. So... Um, let's continue on. Um, When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Well, if I would say, okay, What is our modern um, representation of this? Like, what does that mean today? Who who are the Jews and who are the Gentiles, especially in in Utah? Well, I think it's probably obvious that the Jews or anybody that's based in a works-based system, a system that um, does not see Jesus Christ as the only source of our salvation and believes in some works-based system obviously the culture that we live in in Utah and the, and the prevalent religion is, is of that, but it can be in um, Baptist and in evangelical communities, too, that, that kind of slip into this kind of a workspace based system. For me, Gentiles, well, to me, that's uh, Salt Lake City. I mean, it's just in an area that's unchurched or Ogden. Uh, just about every day, I drive through uh, the avenues, and, um, and I'm taking classes at University of Utah. You know, drastically different than Davis County. And so, um, you know, Paul's kind of in this mix of Greek, intellectual, Roman influence, culture, and then also Jewish, which is very um, stifling and oppressing and works based. And I tell you, of all the things, one of the things that just stuck out with me in 2017 is John Grave, a great sermon. And he said, G-, and he put up on the board. I, I was looking for it, but I'll just say it. It was Jesus Christ as a formula. I've been remembering the formula. Jesus Christ plus zero equals everything. Was that it? And I have just stuck with that. And so that's really stuck with me because too much of us invest in the zero. Well, I put all my effort into the Zero so it's it's my job it's my status it's 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 what i'm striving for what i'm working on that's going to save me and they don't focus on jesus christ and and so paul the heavy lifting i think is kind of interesting i, I always I'm, i kind of missed this i thought paul was focusing on just the gentiles but no he's really going back to the root was a jewish faith and he's showing them every step of the way all through the old testament where there was a prediction for Jesus Christ and there was always a mention of Jesus Christ the redeemer so he's going back to the base and he's saying that and so the where i looked you know i, I think one of the verses that speaks to me the most of what john said was actually john 15:5 and i was wondering if you could read that again sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can borrow mine, but then I'm going a pickle. <laughs> I, think I can get it here. Uh, where's five star? <laughs> <laughs> Can I help you, John? Yes, please. Yeah, no, where's five, star? Where's five star? Let's see. <laughs> okay. Right where in the. Yeah, I see it now. I think I am the vine; you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. So that is in that really that formula. So apart from Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. That's a zero. If we don't, if we get out of the vine, we we do nothing. We we accomplish nothing. Our works are meaningless. They're zero. I like math. Anything times zero. Zero, so it, that's what we're doing is we're investing in that, and he's telling this to the Jews, but it's really frustrating. And I tell you, ministry in Utah can be frustrating. And there's times where you go, I, I've had it. I've just, I've, I've, I've just had it. Um, I'm so tired of arguing about coffee or whether you can drink wine or what you can wear or these. M- stupid little things and never really get to the main point of eternity and the the deeper issue, and it's too hard. And with Gentiles, what I found is that if you just bring the Holy Spirit and you have the fruits of the Spirit, man, they respond. Will they come to Christ? No, but I tell you, they respond. I was in an event uh, for a while. Matt was selling fireworks and we were around kind of a hoodlum youth. I don't know where his faith was, but uh, it was summer, and he had a shirt off and full of tattoos and looked like a gangbanger, cursing. I think Vanna was with me. Matt kind of shut him down on the cursing. And I was just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, i got to get out of here. This is just a bad scene. But somehow we got in a conversation, and I was just talking to him. I think he had done time, and I talked to him. Look, we're all guilty, you know, we're all guilty. And man, that guy responded. The guy just responded. Um, Becky Jones was telling me there was a gal that he worked, she worked with um, who's, um, you know, outspokenly um, homosexual. And Becky invited her to some event. Maybe it was a Thanksgiving or some event that would be a family event. And uh, she was moved that she was just treated with, you know, with, with compassion. And so I think, you know, Paul would just like to be off the hook with all these stubborn people and have to be in this argument over and over. And yet, I want you to read the next part because God keeps them there. And every time I've said, you know, I just got to get out of Utah. Man, we got to get out of Utah. I wish I was in Seattle. I wish I was in California. I wish I was somewhere where there was just a little more freedom and I'm, I'm here in the Stone Ages. So... He's upset, and he said, "From now on, I will go to the Gentiles." Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of uh, Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. So, I mean, the Lord speaks him, and, and it's not in Herod, maybe he's speaking to Jews and Gentiles, but from I'm reading that, that he's he's to continue on, on what he's doing. God, God had had uh, urged him um, to to stay on, and and I tell you when I first started at Lakeside Church, and we had Sonia and I had the heart that we wanted to reach our neighbors and we wanted to reach you know the LDS, and we were out passing out uh, flyers. I said, "This is absolutely pointless. This just can't be. This is too hard." But I tell you, uh, people of stronger faith, of faith, especially Matt, has just been very faithful to be. Reaching out to her neighbor his neighbors, and he's been very active in a, in the uh, community council, in the in the government. He's 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 participated in in ward activities, and and they have a very high respect for Matt. And he's been able to pray at Memorial Day services last week. We had the mayor here of Syracuse. You do not know how huge that was. He sat through the whole sermon. He didn't just pop in and check the box. He, he and his wife sat through the whole sermon. And that is unbelievable. That's huge. And in that time from when I said, ah, this is just pointless. This is just not going to work. These people are too entrenched. This is not going to go anywhere. I, I have seen in my workplace, at least people reference the Bible a lot more and 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 our dream, people that are planning, our dream is that some night, um, maybe they're not. Maybe it's going to be too much. So here's an N.F.L. reference. Truly, truly, asking an L.D.S. person to become a Baptist is like asking—I don't have the Browns here—but asking a Bears fan to be a, a Cowboys fan. It's asking a Cowboys fan to just suddenly be a Philadelphia fan. It's—they would rather die first, right? There's a culture of berry there. But our dream is that maybe, and then there's a real risk that if they were to miss a Sunday, there's a lot of uh, things at stake that could, they could lose. But our dream is maybe some weekday evening, we would just have a neutral ground discussion on the Bible. And the people of our community would attend. And we could get to the real meat of eternity. We could get to the real meat of grace we could get real to the real meat of what Paul is going and, and, and just painstakingly uh, diligent in talking to people about the grace of Jesus Christ, people that are works-based and how they need to just accept and rely on Jesus Christ. So it's, it's our dream. So this is, this is just today. This, what we're reading in Acts is as applicable right now as it ever was thousands of years ago. It's, it's today. It's happening right now. So, um, so Paul is convinced to stay. So, but if you make a stand for Jesus Christ, don't expect that you won't have opposition. You you you're going to have opposition, and Paul has opposition. While Gallio Galio was proconsul of Achaia, the region that Corinth is in, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to the Jews, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for you to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. Then they all turned on. So thinness, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. So another strong witness from Paul. Um, and then I, I, I commend Matt again too, is that, that um, um, people are trying to trump up some charges against Paul that he's... Um, Promoting some discord or that he 's uh, casting out rumors, and he 's so diligent in his walk um, and so faithful and he 's not gossiping he 's just committing his, his his whole life you know to witnessing for Jesus Christ that even really a non believer gallio i don 't know i don 't see this as a believer he 's over the tribunal he 's a person in government but he Paul's walk is so blameless that they they really they can't find anything against him. So a great verse for this, I asked Sonia to look this up. First Peter three sixteen. If you could read that. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed for their slander. And I always when I when I looked at thank you when I when I when I looked at that I thought well. Um, we're we're always kind of a little timid to talk about what is good and what and behavior, but the term was good behavior in Christ. Well, what does that you know what does that really mean? And I think about that in view of um, in view of legalism. And uh, I what, an example I can think of is when I worked at you know I work at Hill Air Force Base, and we were in charge of trying to come up with a quality manual for organization to inspire people to do better performance. And a guy that was, you know, retired military said, Roger, you, you're you're not gonna get that because the manual gives you the lowest, the minimum level of performance. That's what a, a tech order is, it gives you the minimal level of performance. And and legalism, a lot of Leviticus, is is the minimal lever, the minimal level. And Jesus pushed us to the optimum in the Holy Spirit level of behavior. And and Paul, Paul is following this. So I thought that was interesting. Good behavior can be defined in a lot of ways, but he was very clear, good behavior in Christ. Let me just continue on. Paul stayed um, on in Corinth for some time, then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria. So he's on the move again. This is there's so much movement going on here, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed in uh, Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to the So I think your battery might have died. Might have died. Okay, might, oh, no, I don't mind at all, So, you know, again, Paul is 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 on the move and he's he's taking the, the same people with him. And they're also part of this church movement. So there's, there's activity. Uh, they're not huddled up. They're not in a little fortress trying to just defend themselves. They're on the move. Um, my dad always said the best defense is good offense, you know, back to the NFL. And they're on offense. They're moving. They're, they're, in the, they're, they're spreading the gospel to these communities. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the just disciples. So a new guy comes on the scene. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately though he knew only the baptism of John. And this is going to correlate a little bit with uh, part of 19, if we can get to that. He began to speak, speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So, I read this. I don't believe Apollos is a false teacher, but he's um, obviously... Um, impassioned and empowered to go out and speak from where he is which I think there's a lesson in that that we're not to wait until we're have a doctorate in religion we can go out and 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 serve God and preach the gospel from where we are but it's also important um, that our message is not based on eloquence so he's obviously a great speaker but Here again, we see this whole thing in motion that Priscilla and Achilla are there who had been with Paul and now Paul has left and they're there not to uh, cause division but to quietly pull him aside and then give him a little more completeness. Now, about this baptism of John, um, a little bit of what I read in that is that um, people have an understanding of of Jesus but they only... um, Understand um, the baptism of John as an act of repentance, and they don't have the ex- they don't have the they they do not have the understanding that when John was baptizing people, it was to pr- to be there as a prelude for Jesus Christ coming. And so, if if they only knew about the the baptism on repentance, and, they, and but they know about Jesus Christ and they've given their faith to Jesus Christ, and they understand that there's not um, a completeness there, which they wanted, they wanted to correct. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was a Christ. So again, it's interesting to me because he's, um, even Apollos, um, is, is, is um, um, supporting this, this same faith movement, and his audience is also primarily with the Jews. And I think that's kind of interesting. And, and there's, still, there's still contact with the Gentiles. So on a little bit to 19, and then we'll stop there. So Paul is now going back to Ephesus. Well, Apollos was at Corinth, so they kind of swamped. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism. They replied, Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So, um, you know, it kind of as Baptists, we get a little bit nervous when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. We kind of tend not to get too much on that, and it, it, it's it's just kind of a tough thing, um, you know. I was in the military, and I was in the chaplain, and we had all faiths. All faiths, kind of hard not to lisp that, but we had many denomination Christian denominations in the chapel, and and they were from all areas, and um, it, it, you know, there's just a wide range there from some things that might we might see as just showmanship to ah uh, some some things where that's that's we just we just don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit we don't want that included but um I would like um maybe Sonia, if you can find john sixteen five through seven, and so I think I want to just talk a little bit about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit because um it was something that he, he clearly mentioned. And if you look through Acts, it's kind of interesting. When they select somebody to a leader, they don't ask for a resume. They don't ask for them a certificate of what religious school they went to. They don't ask for a GPA. They ask, and they look for the fruits of the Spirit. Now, it doesn't really say, in the commentary that I read today, I thought it was very interesting, it says it doesn't say, it wasn't a requirement that they had to speak in tongues. It wasn't a requirement. Sometimes they did, and sometimes they spoke prophecy, but it wasn't always the same. And God's in charge, and he does what he sees fit, and if he wants to manifest it in one way, then, then that's God's, God's choice. Do you have that, Sonny? Yeah, I'll do 16, five through 7, and then stay there, because there's one more I wanted to read chapter in in chapter 16. This is Jesus speaking. Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And can you also read um, 16, 12 through 15? Thank you. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, there's a little bit of controversy with that, and yet it's, it's very clear in Acts um, that, that this is taking place. I don't know if I have the answers on all of that, what, whatever your background is or tongues or, or prophecy. I just know what Jesus said, and he said, I won't leave you alone. I mean, when he was with the disciples, I knew he was going to leave. And he said, I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to leave a counselor with you. And, and it's just interesting, this is the biggest, this is kind of the biggest thing in Acts. However that manifested, maybe that was only then, I don't really know. But it's, it's, it's just embedded in all of the scripture that the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to bring you to the truth of God, to the Spirit of God. And I tell you, you know, as an unbeliever, I pulled the Bible open and I read verses and they made no sense to me. But when I accepted Jesus Christ, I received the Holy Spirit. And a note in the thing, uh, and and my notes was really profound. It said, there's no such thing as someone receiving Jesus Christ and not having the Holy Spirit. They happen together. And it's the Holy Spirit that unveils the truth of God and the gospel. It's, 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 it's what connects us. It's what people sense when we minister to them. It's, it's, it's what they can understand to know it's as real. The, 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 the founders of the church, it was, it was a requirement, not a checklist. I don't know how Paul had an inclination to know, but he knew. He knew these men had not received the Holy Spirit. And so it's a, it's a critical part of our witness that we, sh- that we should acknowledge more I don't know how that would manifest it I don't know that's, There's all kinds of different worship styles But as far as the truth of the gospel It's an essential part Of, of, of how we minister to people And how we and work um, with, with Jews I would define the definition of Jews As somebody that have the knowledge Of the truth They, they have some knowledge of that and they have a framework of works that they're striving but haven't truly had the spirit to reveal the, 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 the redemption value of Jesus Christ. To truly understand the completeness of Jesus Christ who died for our sins. And how utterly complete that is. As John said, Jesus Christ plus zero equals everything People can say that, but they don't believe that. On, when Sunday's over and they start back to work, then they cut off Jesus Christ to the left of the equation and they just run with zero and then wonder why there's no peace in their life and there's, there's strife and anxiety. And so Paul is just spending his whole life with these type of people and, and as we should and as we are trying to work with people to say, I love you so much. And I, I just don't want you to go through that. And I want you to know that full redemptive value. And the Holy Spirit is part of that package that speaks to people. That, that in spite of what, what we try to say and what we um, try to convey, that the Spirit touches them in, in a way beyond what we can do as humans. It's part of the connection that we have with our God... It's what God passed on to the Son, and then the Son left, and then he left His counselor. So Jesus never died. He, he is present on this earth through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is within us. And we transfer that. We, we touch people. The Spirit is with us. So obedience, to me, is to make a good home for the Spirit and to not grieve the Spirit, and, and make sure that I keep my home clean so that the Spirit will want to stay with me. If the Spirit is with me, if I remain in the vine, then I can do anything. I can accomplish anything. And so, people are out there. So, i got to remember the name again. Case Keenum, Carson Wetz, countless people are out there enacting that. Acts, they're, they're taking... Action with this. And it speaks louder than only words can do. And that's amazing for them but what we're doing right here is amazing. I'm telling you it's amazing because whatever year that was 2006, I think we were going to move into uh, Bluffridge Elementary and we were putting out flyers and every single person was LDS and I thought okay this is not gonna go. I don't know how we're gonna make it. And it's 2018, and we're here, and we're right in the middle of a very populated area, and we have things going on every night, and trying to work, you know, uh, and being a beacon into the community. And so I'm very optimistic. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the Lakeside Podcast. If you have any questions at all about the message, if you have any struggles you're going through, or if you simply want to respond to what you've heard, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website at lakesidelife.org and click on the contact page to let us know what's on your heart. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time.